Section thirty three of History of Egypt, Volume two by Gaston Maspero. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Chapter three. The First Theban Empire, Part nine. Bubastus had no less occasion than Tanis to boast of the generosity of the Theban pharaohs. The temple of Bastet, which had been decorated by Cheops and Kephren, was still in existence. Amenemhiat I, Usertasen I, and their immediate successors confined themselves to the restoration of several chambers, and to the erection of their own statues, but Usertasen III added to it a new structure which must have made it rival the finest monuments in Egypt. He believed no doubt that he was under particular obligations to the lioness goddess of the city, and attributed to her aid, for unknown reasons, some of his successes in Nubia. It would appear that it was with the spoil of a campaign against the country of the Hua that he endowed a part of the new sanctuary. Nothing now remains of it except fragments of the architraves and granite columns, which have been used over again by pharaohs of a later period, when restoring or altering the fabric. A few of the columns belong to the lotiform type. The shaft is composed of eight triangular stalks rising from a bunch of leaves, symmetrically arranged and bound together at the top by a ribbon twisted thrice round the bundle the capital is formed by the union of the eight lotus buds surmounted by a square member on which rests the architrave other columns have hathor headed capitals the heads being set back to back and bearing the flat headdress ornamented with the urus the face of the goddess which is somewhat flattened when seen closely on the eye level stands out and becomes more lifelike in proportion as the spectator recedes from it. The projection of the features has been calculated so as to produce the desired effect at the right height, when seen from below. The district lying between Tanis and Bubastis is thickly studded with monuments built or embellished by the Amenemhiats and Usertasans. Wherever the pickaxe is applied, whether at Fakas or Tel-Nebeshesh, remains of them are brought to light. Statues, stele, tables of offerings, and fragments of dedicatory or historical inscriptions. While carrying on works in the temple of Ptah at Memphis, the attention of these pharaohs was attracted to Heliopolis. The temple of Ra there was either insufficient for the exigencies of worship, or had been allowed to fall into decay. Usertasen III resolved, in the third year of his reign, to undertake its restoration. The occasion appears to have been celebrated as a festival by all Egypt, and the remembrance of it lasted long after the event. The somewhat detailed account of the ceremonies which then took place was copied out again at Thebes, towards the end of the eighteenth dynasty. It describes the king mounting his throne at the meeting of his council, and receiving, as was customary, the eulogies of his sole friends and of the courtiers who surrounded him. Here, says he, addressing them, has my majesty ordained the works which shall recall my worthy and noble acts to posterity. I raise a monument, I establish lasting decrees in favour of Harmachus, for he has brought me into the world to do as he did, to accomplish that which he decreed should be done. He has appointed me to guide this earth, he has known it, he has called it together, and he has granted me his help. I have caused the eye which is in him to become serene, in all things acting as he would have me to do, and I have sought out that which he had resolved should be known. I am a king by birth, a suzerain not of my own making. I have governed from childhood. Petitions have been presented to me when I was in the egg. I have ruled over the ways of Anubis, and he raised me up to be master of the two halves of the world, from the time when I was a nursling. 
I had not yet escaped from the swaddling bands when he enthroned me as master of men. Creating me himself in the sight of mortals, he made me to find favor with the dweller in the palace. When I was a youth, I came forth as Horus the eloquent, and I have instituted divine obligations. I accomplish the works in the palace of my father, Atumu. I supply his altar on earth with offerings. I lay the foundations of my palace in his neighborhood, in order that the memorial of my goodness may remain in his dwelling. For this palace is my name, this lake is my monument. All that is famous or useful that I have made for the gods is eternity. The great lords testified their approbation of the king's piety. The latter summoned his chancellor and commanded him to draw up the deeds of gift and all the documents necessary for the carrying out of his wishes. He arose, adorned with the royal circlet and with the double feather, followed by all his nobles. The chief lector of the divine book stretched the cord and fixed the stake in the ground. This temple has ceased to exist, but one of the granite obelisks raised by Usertasen I on each side of the principal gateway is still standing. The whole of Heliopolis has disappeared. The site where it formerly stood is now marked only by a few almost imperceptible inequalities in the soil, some crumbling lengths of walls, and here and there some scattered blocks of limestone, containing a few lines of mutilated inscriptions, which can with difficulty be deciphered. The obelisk has survived even the destruction of ruins, and to all who understand its language it still speaks of the pharaoh who erected it. The undertaking and successful completion of so many great structures had necessitated a renewal of the working of the ancient quarries, and the opening of fresh ones. Amenemhiat I sent Antuf, a great dignitary, chief of the prophets of Minu and prince of Koptos, to the valley of Ruhanu, to seek out fine granite for making the royal sarcophagi. Amenemhiat III had, in the forty-third year of his reign, been present at the opening of several fine veins of white limestone in the quarries of Tura, which probably furnished material for the buildings proceeding at Heliopolis and Memphis. Thebes had also its share of both limestone and granite, and Ammon, whose sanctuary up to this time had only attained the modest proportions suited to a provincial god, at last possessed a temple which raised him to the rank of the highest feudal divinities. Ammon's career had begun under difficulties. He had been merely a vassal god of Montu, lord of Hermonthus, the Aunu of the south, who had granted to him the ownership of the village of Karnak only. The unforeseen good fortune of the Antufs was the occasion of his emerging from his obscurity. He did not dethrone Montu, but shared with him the homage of all the neighboring villages, Luxor, Medamut, Bayadea, and, on the other side of the Nile, Gurna and Medinet Habu. The accession of the twelfth dynasty completed his triumph, and made him the most powerful authority in southern Egypt. He was an earth god, a form of Minu who reigned at Koptos, at Akmim, and in the desert, but he soon became allied to the sun, and from thenceforth he assumed the name of Amun-Ra. The title of Sutan Nutiru, which he added to it, would alone have sufficed to prove the comparatively recent origin of his notoriety. As the latest arrival among the great gods, he employed, to express his sovereignty, this word Sutan, king, which had designated the rulers of the valley ever since the union of the two Egypts under the shadowy Menes. Reigning at first alone, he became associated by marriage with a vague, indefinite goddess, called Mot, or Mut, the mother, who never adopted any more distinctive name. The divine son who completed this triad was, in early times, Montu, 
but in later times a being of secondary rank, chosen from among the genii appointed to watch over the days of the month or the stars, was added, under the name of Khonsu. Amenemhaya laid the foundations of the temple, in which the cultus of Amun was carried on down to the latest times of paganism. The building was supported by polygonal columns of sixteen sides, some fragments of which are still standing. The temple was at first of only moderate dimensions, but it was built of the choicest sandstone and limestone, and decorated with exquisite bas-reliefs. Usertasen I enlarged it, and built a beautiful house for the high priest on the west side of the sacred lake. Luxor, Zorit, Edfu, Hieraconpolis, Elkab, Elephantine, and Dendera shared between them the favor of the pharaohs. The venerable town of Abydos became the object of their special predilection. Its reputation for sanctity had been steadily growing from the time of the poppies. Its god, Contamentit, who was identified with Osiris, had obtained in the south a rank as high as that of the Mendician Osiris in the north of Egypt. He was worshipped as the sovereign of the sovereigns of the dead, he who gathered around him and welcomed in his domains the majority of the faithful of other cults. His sepulchre, or more correctly speaking, the chapel representing his sepulchre, in which one of his relics was preserved, was here as elsewhere built upon the roof. Access to it was gained by a staircase leading up on the left side of the sanctuary. On the days of the Passion and Resurrection of Osiris, solemn processions of priests and devotees slowly mounted its steps, to the chanting of funeral hymns, and above on the terrace, away from the world of the living, and with no other witnesses than the stars of heaven, the faithful celebrated mysteriously the rites of the divine death and embalming. The vassals of Osiris flocked in crowds to these festivals, and took a delight in visiting, at least once during their lifetime, the city whither their souls would proceed after death, in order to present themselves at the mouth of the cleft, there to embark in the bari of their divine master or in that of the sun. They left behind them, under the staircase of the great god, a sort of fictitious tomb, near the representation of the tomb of Osiris, in the shape of a stele, which immortalized the memory of their piety, and which served as a kind of hostelry for their soul, when the latter should, in course of time, repair to this rallying place of all Osirian souls. The concourse of pilgrims was a source of wealth to the population. The priestly coffers were filled, and every year the original temple was felt to be more and more inadequate to meet the requirements of worship. Usertasen I desired to come to the rescue. He dispatched Montapu, one of his great vassals, to superintend the works. The ground plan of the portico of white limestone which preceded the entrance court may still be distinguished. This portico was supported by square pillars, and standing against the remains of these, we see the colossi of rose granite, crowned with the Osirian headdress, and with their feet planted on the nine bows, the symbol of vanquished enemies. The best preserved of these figures represents the founder, but several others are likenesses of those of his successors who interested themselves in the temple. Matthapu dug a well which was kept fully supplied by the infiltrations from the Nile. He enlarged and cleaned out the sacred lake upon which the priests launched the holy ark, on the nights of the great mysteries. The alluvial deposits of fifty centuries have not as yet wholly filled it up. It is still an irregularly shaped pond, which dries up in winter, but is again filled as soon as the inundation reaches the village of El Karba. 
A few stones, corroded with saltpetre, mark here and there the lines of the landing stages. A thick grove of palms fringes its northern and southern banks, but to the west the prospect is open, and extends as far as the entrance to the gorge, through which the souls set forth in search of paradise and the solar bark. Buffaloes now come to drink and wallow at midday, where once floated the gilded bari of Osiris, and the murmur of bees from the neighboring orchards alone breaks the silence of the spot, which of old resounded with the rhythmical lamentations of the pilgrims. End of section 33. Read by Professor Heather Mumbai. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.